Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. So today's topic is one that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, it's been on the like list of ideas for several months now. By the time that this episode is uh, coming out, it's been in my head even longer. But the idea of it actually came up this summer when we were running our Get Back to Design Accelerator. And coincidentally, at the same time we were running our accelerator, I was finishing up a project that I had outsourced with uh, another business owner. I don't really want to give too many details. Some of you know I have talked a lot of stuff about this um, in our Facebook group. I have talked to some of our members of the accelerator about it specifically, but essentially what happened was it didn't work. The project didn't work. It was a bad investment. And once the project was over, I didn't know what to do. So it was Pinterest um, management. And once the contract was over, they didn't tell me how to continue managing my Pinterest. And here we are, what Krista were two months later or something. And I'm almost on a daily or or every other day basis scheduling my pins because I don't know how to do it more effectively. But that's like a whole, that's a whole different podcast episode. So when I went through this situation and I was talking to one of our accelerator members about something different, I'm not that much of a ranter about this. um, I realized just how important it is that we really educate our clients, not only on the design work and how good it is for their business and that sort of thing, but how they can actually use this thing that they spent so much money on. Um, I mean, after all, you really do not want to create this beautiful brand and website design for your client. And then um, it turns out being so-so because they started DIYing graphics or they did whatever to their website and it looks horrible. Like you don't want that. So um, today I'm going to be giving you guys, I think about four ways that I think you can educate your clients uh, to really use their new design effectively. Yeah. And your specific situation really brought it to my attention like just how important it is to give your clients the choice, whether they want to keep working with you or figure it out themselves. And there might be some people listening who are like, well, I don't want to tell them how to do it. I want them to have me on retainer or whatever. And if you do your job well, they will want you on retainer anyways, if they're that kind of person, because you're going to do things faster, you're going to do things better, you're going to you know, shorten their to-do list. They will want you on retainer for those reasons. It shouldn't be because you're withholding important information they need to grow their businesses. We are supposed to want to help our clients, not purposely withhold information and be like, well, oh, screw you. You don't want to work with me, which I feel like is what happened in your project. And so mm-hmm. if you find yourself feeling a little resistance towards doing something like this, I just want you to 
open your mind a little bit, think of the client experience you'll be able to provide by doing this, and maybe rethink the benefits of working with you on retainer to make something more powerful um, and enticing to them to want to keep working with you rather than because they are literally forced to and have no clue what to do. Yeah, no, because, and like I said, this is like a whole separate how not to run your business when you work with clients episode that I feel like we could record. And I could probably record that whole episode and still not tell you guys who I worked with. Um, But I feel like there were so many things that went wrong. And as the client side of this, not the actual business owner, I look at that situation and go, I don't have enough money to continue paying you for something that's not returning. Mm -hmm. even one single dollar on this investment. Number two, even if I did, the way you just ended the project by not empowering me to do this at all makes me feel, heck no, Mm -hmm. do I want to continue working with you? And it left such a bad taste in my mouth that here I am two months later, still on, you know, my high horse ranting about this, telling you guys that I could probably record an hour at least. Oh, yeah how all the ways that this went wrong. So I can tell you that if you quote unquote, force your client into a retainer with you, because you're not going to tell them how to use their design, they are probably not going to do it. They're just going to go DIY it, or they're not going to be able to grow their brand. And all that work you have done has been for nothing. Mm -hmm. So there's that. So let me get off my, um, my angry mom voice here. And let's just dive right into the episode. Let's do it. So the first way that I think you can educate your clients is probably the easiest thing you can do. And that's organizing your final files nicely. So this is so basic. And you guys are probably like, excuse me, how does this educate my clients at all? Um, But it can, and it's going to cost you the least amount of time of everything that I'm going to talk about in this episode. Um, But I want you to think right now. So when you are packaging up files to send over to your clients, is it easy for them to find what they're looking for? Is it easy for them to navigate, you know, all of the files or all of the folders that you're sending over? And I have an example in my notes, like if you're Clients say they're looking for a PNG version of their logo in web resolution so they can throw it up on, you know, they can send it to somebody to display on someone on their website, like a completely different website. How long would it take them to find that? How would they find a black and white vector file that they could use for like maybe a sign at a farmer's market or something, you know, something like that? Um Krista, you can totally account for me being a complete psycho when it comes to file organization and literally every part of everything ever that we've ever done together. (laughs) But when you are sending final files to a client, this really comes in handy because it's not only going to help them easily know what to use because you generally... The way I do it, I have folders that are labeled print or web or vector so that people know exactly what they're going in there looking for. Um, They can find what they're looking for instead of emailing you. Were you going to say something, Chris? <laughs> I'm raising my hand, guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to interrupt her there where she gave that example of like her folders with web versus print. As someone who's not a designer, I didn't even know there was a difference. So if she <laughs> oh, wouldn't, <God. laughs> if she wouldn't have 
had the folders labeled like she would, who knows what logos I would have in different places or what I would grab when I was going to look at something. Like, I'll be honest, her folder structure is that of a crazy person, but yes. it's incredible <laughs> when I need something because there's there's no questions. I don't even have to think. Like, she's answering my questions before I have them just within her folder structure. So I just want to, I had to interrupt it. Yeah, no. And that's exactly what I was saying, right? So your clients will be able to open the folders and find exactly what they're looking for without having to email you for something that you've already given them. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only that, but it's going to empower them to actually use the like 6,000 files that you've created and sent over to them. Because I follow so many designers who post on their Instagram stories here I am exporting 600 different variations of this logo and mark for a client. And you're like, yup, been there, takes forever. <laughs> it's like a whole entire, you know, day's worth of work or whatever to be able to export that. And so when you're putting all that time and giving them all of this beautiful work that you've created, you want them to be able to find it. You want them to be able to use it. Um, and while I'm thinking about it, I had a professor in college who did not apparently did not like me um, at the end of my college career. And I didn't have very much respect for him either for, you know, the same mutual reason. Um, But this is one thing that I really took away from him is he talked about file and folder structure and all that stuff. So the depth at which uh, you would organize your files really depends on the type of work that you're doing and what you give your clients. So I wanted to give you guys Um, Lots of examples from when Krista and I worked together um, in 2018 on her brand and website design. So Krista, I don't know if you remember this, but your final file delivery had, let's see, it had seven or six, no, it did have seven folders in it. So the main first level of folders was logo, mark, collateral, font system, style guide, There were stock photos in there that when I was outlining this episode, I realized I probably didn't have legal rights to give you. And then the (laughs) website files. (laughs) Um, So in the logo and mark and those like big main folders, those were broken down even more. And I'm going to lay all this out for you in the show notes because people are probably like, I don't understand already. So the logo and marks had primary and secondary In each of those folders, there was for print, for web, and vector. And in each of those folders, at least for for print and for web, there was PNG and JPEG files. And then the vector had an EPS. So that was for logo and mark. Collateral, there was like a whole separate uh, couple of folders for business cards and blog post uh, graphics. Then there was the font system. And this is another place where you really can help educate your clients without telling them anything, label folders. This font is for headings. This font is for subheadings. This is your body font. And if you are not giving your clients any fonts, which that totally makes sense, at least give them like a a Google doc or something in there where it links to where they can purchase it. Um, And if you do a Google doc, you can go into a little bit more depth that you also would be doing in your style guide. So that was the next main folder. This had a crazy um, PDF in there that I'm going to talk about uh, in just a few seconds. And then the website was an extra folder that Krista is special and she got because She was developing her website and you wouldn't generally be giving any of that, maybe other than the website strategy, if you create that to your client. So Krista, are you as overwhelmed 
now as you probably were when you originally got that just me naming everything <laughs> well no because it makes so much sense now <laughs> that I when I first opened that I was like what in the heck but it's it's helpful when you're going in looking for something specific not so much when you're like oh I just want to go see what all is in here then it's like oh wow it's like okay I need a logo to put on my website okay, I'm going to go to the logo file. I'm going to go to the primary file for web. And I'm going to grab whichever one of those files I feel like in that folder, you know, <laughs> like, it can only help so much. But, but no, it really does make it uh, so much more clear. And if you guys are confused at all, definitely check out the show notes where she'll lay all this out because it's so, so help, like nice and helpful from a client standpoint. Yeah, for sure. So um, like I was saying, I, I could imagine that Krista was probably, I, I imagine most clients are probably pretty overwhelmed when they first get that main zip folder or whatever with all that stuff in there. But um, I mean, obviously she's telling you guys that when she went to look for something, it was very easy for her to find. So um, something else I really wanted to point out here, and this gets like really meta like if you are really type A, then this is where it's going to come out because not only in your organization of your files, but the way you name them also helps a client. And Krista's laughing at me right now. I wish you guys could see her um, while you're listening. But this also makes it easier to find whatever they're looking for as the client. But it also, I wouldn't necessarily say it educates them, but it, it at least makes it easier to find. So for example, and Chris is really just going to die laughing here, but so I named her uh, one of her files, for example, KR underscore primary underscore logo. So she knew that was her primary logo and then underscore black. So she knew that, hey, this is the black version. If you ever, for some reason, need a black version of your logo, here it is. Okay. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is because the logo you made for me before this last one, I just saw it in my Dropbox folder the other day. And it was named like that, but no spaces or underscores, all mm -hmm. caps lock. And it was something like, KR primary logo for print, yay. <laughs> like all caps lock. And it was so funny. But anyways, continue. <laughs> Okay, so that's something that I would do with you, but yes. for our listeners, I definitely recommend well, something. I recommend little, it definitely adding yay. <laughs> yeah, definitely add yay to all of the. So yeah, pro tip. So yeah, pro tip. Um, so it may seem like it would take a really long time for you guys to get this level of psychotic organization set up for your <laughs> clients, um, but really, you just need to create one template and then start to use it for all of your clients. And this is gonna ensure that you also don't forget to send your clients anything because in those first couple of years, it was so easy for me to get to the end of the project and be like, oh yeah, I was actually supposed to create business cards and we never did that. So yeah, uh, lots of hashtag oops situations there. So having that kind, of that kind of folder structure and file naming system and everything, it is, like taking everything to the next level. But if you have no time to, you know, record any videos or create a really in-depth brand style guide, then I would at least starting here, because like I said, you can do it in a template and then it saves you so much time. So that was now like let's talk step about one. Yeah, that was step one. How's Jeez. everybody feeling about that? Oof. They're probably all like, oh God, I need to go pause this episode. 
So let's go into number two, the other, the next thing that you can do. And this is something that probably everyone is already doing. Um, but this is your brand guidelines PDF. And I want to point out here that I'm saying PDF, because when I first started doing quote unquote brand guidelines, it was literally just a PNG file with color hex codes, the names of fonts and a logo. And that was pretty much it. And that's not helpful at all. <laughs> So, um, like I mentioned before, I sent over Krista this really in-depth and beautiful uh, style guide, and it was based off a template that I got from Melissa Yeager, and I will link to you guys. Um, I think it's like a template course bundle situation that I purchased um, last year, and this is actually what I used for Krista's style guide. Um it's very, very in-depth, and I don't necessarily think that all of your clients need that level of information, but if you work with business owners who are going to be using their new design, or maybe you know that they have a virtual or creative assistant that's going to be helping them create blog graphics or social media stuff or whatever, then I think it, it really is important that you take that extra time to give them you know, all the information about what makes up their brand new brand and how they can actually use it. Um, so Krista, your brand guidelines, this included her brand strategy. So this was information about like what makes her unique, um, her target market, that sort of thing. I included her mood board. I showed her logo and her marks and um, those pages were a little type A as well, because I kind of showed here are the color options you get, here's the file naming system. Um, I also showed off her color palette with hex codes, CMYK and RGB. And if you're listening to this, uh, don't be a hater and uh, DM me about not sending Pantone because I'm over that. So this page <laughs> also included a note about where to use CMYK versus RGB. And Krista, you tell all the designers who are hating on me about the Pantone situation right now, do you know where to use CMYK and RGB? I would if I could pull up my, uh, my thing. <laughs> yep, that. <laughs> the thing you don't even know. <laughs> okay, so this is also really important to use that sort of thing, just uh, so people know. You know, all these different numbers that you're giving them, this is where they need to use them. Um, beyond just the colors, I also gave her her font system. And this was like, here is your heading font. Here is your subheading font. Here's your body font. Here is how to actually apply them. And I think I maybe went into such detail, like letter spacing and that sort of thing. Um, and then I also, for like headings, I think your headings were lowercase. So maybe I mentioned, you know, this is typically used lowercase for your brand. Um, I went even further, and this is something that Melissa had in her template, but I also did previously of including the different um, file types that you are getting. So, you know, you're getting 
uh, what PNG and JPEG and EPS and all those different things um, and where they can be used and the resolution that you received. To most people, they're going to look at that and be like, I don't know what any of this means. So they're just going to skip it. But the very last page of that um, brand style guide was also like explaining the different file types. Hey, if you care to use something the right way, here's where you would use a JPEG. Here's where you would use a PNG. Here's where you would use that massive vector file that you have. Um, to some people, like I said, opening that up would probably be really overwhelming, but I think it is very important, especially if you're working with people who they need to DIY their graphics because they can't afford to give you or anyone else any more money, or maybe they know they're going to be creating some PDF opt-ins or something like that. It goes a really long way to making sure that they're creating something that's, you know, that looks good and works well with their brand. Maybe it's not professional level, but it's also not something that belongs in a trash can. <laughs> no, I think all that, that all the stuff you include in there is so good. And like, I totally failed at that question you asked, but then I was thinking about like, why didn't I know that? And it's because I don't do any of my own design stuff. I have a exactly. designer on retainer. If I was doing it myself, heck yes, I would have been looking at these files or those color codes and being like, uh... What do I use? And the fact that it's right there would have been would have kept me from having to email her and being like, what the heck? Or doing something really stupid, which is, would probably be what I did, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, that stuff in there is so important. Yeah, no. And not every client is going to look at that and, spay, and pay special attention to it. But for um, those who will, you should just include it anyway. Yep. So let's kind of take that brand guideline a step further. And this is something that came up, I believe, when um, I was interviewing Abby from Wayfair Design Studio. I can't remember what episode that is, but I may link to it in the show notes. So check that out if you want to listen. But we check were talking it out. About, it might be there. It might be there. Yes. I, okay. When I'm editing this, I just want everyone to know that I did put the link there. So there you go. Um, so let's talk about a video walkthrough of your brand guidelines. Like I wish I could insert a record scratch. Wait, what? Because this would be very similar to your presentations that where you're showing a client a logo or a web concept. And I have actually never done this, but I think it's a really good idea to take that brand guideline PDF a step further and really, really educate your client in a simple but meaningful way. So maybe some things that you would include in this video would be, you know, here is what your folder looks like when you open it. Here are the things that you're getting. Here's how you can kind of navigate these files, um, as many of them as there are or may not be. Um, you can walk through their actual brand guideline PDF. You can tell them, you know, here are your colors, here are your fonts, here's how you can use them. Um, here's what logos you may, here's what actual logo file or specific logo, if there are a primary and a secondary that you would use on your business cards. Um, you could even take this a step further and do this in the same video or a bonus video of actually showing them how you would kind of play around and create graphics. Um, so maybe this would be an Illustrator or Canva 
but you could show them, you know, here's how I would apply color and here's what colors work, you know, really good on top of each other and that sort of thing. So this is obviously going to take a decent amount of time and it's not something that you would be able to phone in and create one and then send the same one to every single client because um, what your clients receive obviously depends on the project most of the time. So I do think that it's an extra that most clients would be very, very surprised and very delighted by if you sent it to them. It would make them so much happier that they worked with you. Um, and yeah, it would really help empower them figure out how to use their new design. And quite frankly, uh, thinking back, there are many, many clients I wish I had done this for. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's the best reason to start doing it as well. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing here, um, and this is sort of actually something that I think you do, Krista, um, but it is a template slash website tutorial video. So this would be two separate videos, or if you only do branding, it could be template, or if you only do web website design, it could only be a website tutorial. Um, but this is certainly not least of all the tips here, because when you're educating your client on how to use their new branding, you also need to show them how to actually use the templates you've created for them or educate them on how they can update their website. Um, I cannot tell you, this really takes me back to the situation we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, but I cannot tell you how frustrating it is to know that you need to do something, to know that somebody has done it for you and they have not told you how to continue to do it. Um, and so you're like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm so like, generally what's going to happen is your client is probably going to email you a million times and annoy you, or they're not going to do it. And their business is going to suffer, which is going to suck for both you and for them. So I personally believe that we do not want to nickel and dime our clients and force them to come back to us every single time they need a social media graphic, unless they want to. So I really want to put an emphasis on that. Unless they want to hire you for a retainer, which is awesome, you don't want to force them into doing that. So instead, we really want to empower them to take this thing and know how to use it. Um, I'm talking specifically like templates here, but this also works for website design. Um, for templates specifically, I have created videos on how to use the Canva templates. Like I've literally opened up Canva and been like, Here's how you add an image. Here's how you change the text. You can change the color of the text. But you, like I said, you can do this for a website as well. And I think this is probably even more important that you show them how they can edit certain pages or certain content areas on their website. And that's something that you do, right? Oh, yeah. And like, like you said, just for so many reasons, I don't want them... To, to feel like they can't make edits to their own website. They paid for it, it's theirs, they should know how to use it. And quite honestly, I don't want people blowing up my inbox asking me how to like change out an image on their page or something, like mm -hmm. no, no thanks. <laughs> so I don't do like general WordPress tutorials or anything like that. They can do a nice little Google search and find that. But I do go through the entire website and show them step-by-step -step how to make, you know, changes that are specific to to their site because they deserve to know how to do that. I don't think that should be something we keep from them. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And honestly, I've been there where clients have emailed me over and over and over again, like not necessarily because I didn't respond to them, but because I had multiple questions where it's like, how do I do this? How do I do that? And eventually you get to the point where it's like, if I see your name in my inbox one more time, I'm going to throw my computer out the window. So, um, (laughs) yes, it does take extra time, but if I'm busy or I didn't particularly particularly love the client, then it's even that much more important to me to be able to show them how to do things. So if they come back to me, they don't have to wait for an opening in my schedule for me to do it for them or show them how to do it. And if I didn't like the client and it was a crappy project, then I don't have to hopefully have them come back. You know what I mean? Like I can just say, here's your website. Here's how to deal with it. Please never email me again. Um, not that I would ever say that. But, no, you know. never. Yeah. No, I would not to the actual client. Okay. Not to the client. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you that one. But so wrapping up this, uh, very serious and then very hilarious episode for you guys. Um, when the project is over, really the last thing you want to do is leave your client hanging. So regardless of, you know, whether they just paid you, um, or you send them the final files or you install their website, wherever, you know, you are at the end of the project, you don't want to leave the client hanging. You also do not want to show off beautiful work in your portfolio only to go to their Instagram and realize they've been, um, Frankensteining some really interesting looking graphics is the nicest way to put it because ultimately sometimes people assume that you did those um, even if you're not doing them so that's something to keep in mind as well so that's why it's so important to educate your clients on how they can use the design that you worked so very hard to create for them and to do so in an effective and easily understandable way through maybe your file structure your brand guidelines maybe some videos whatever it is Um, An action step for this episode. So this kind of depends on where you are. If you don't do any of these things, then I really want to encourage you to pick one. Pick one right now that you can put into action for all of your current clients at the end of their project. So this could be literally as simple as updating your final file structure. You could create a brand new uh, brand got brand guidelines template that you use for your clients. You can purchase one. There are tons of really beautiful brand guideline templates available now. If you are already doing one or a couple of these things, then I want to encourage you to go back and take a look at how you are doing it. Um, and if it has been effective for your clients or if you, if you are still getting questions, so that way you can uh, clean things up and make it easier for them to use. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design.